Welcome, everybody, uh, to Waves of Change, where we talk about Asian American psychology. My name is Dr. Mankit Lee. I'm a therapist here in San Francisco. Uh, our usual co-host, uh, Diana Chu, is not here with us today, but that's okay, because I got this wonderful, amazing person, Kirsten Wong, who's a therapist in Hilo, Hawaii. And from my experience, Hilo is very, very wet, and it rains nonstop. So, Kirsten, how are you, and is it raining? <laughs> Today, it is not. It's actually a really beautiful afternoon. Some pink colors coming through, which is another rare thing to experience on the east side. So we're off to a good start. I love. Yes, that sounds amazing. Ooh, I can just picture that right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, <to>, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, do, I do miss Hawaii weather. Okay, now with that said, we're not here to talk about Hawaii today, even though that's amazing. Uh, we're talking about, and the topic of this discussion is called, Are My Parents Proud of Me? Right, And it's this idea where we evaluate ourselves based on our parents' approval, and we do it when we're kids, we're doing it when we're adults. And for a lot of Asian American folks, it's a, a very significant source of stress, uh, something that we take with us almost throughout our life. So Kirsten, any thoughts on this topic? Oh, definitely. I mean, if that isn't my childhood, all captured in a nutshell there. I mean, I grew up in a family with a tiger mom and it was all about education, achievement, productivity. And, you know, that made me a pretty great perfectionist, which was like really fun to boast about, you know, when you go to those interviews and you're like, oh, my flaw. But uh, in reality, yeah, it really took a toll on me. Yeah. And that's, will you say that that's, uh, you know, as a therapist, um, that's not an uncommon story that a lot of our clients and patients also experience this from their upbringing. And most of the time it's, it's done by very loving parents. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's matching from that expectation, right? Worthiness, mm-hmm. activity. I mean, it, it sounds great, but then what do we do when we feel anxious? We can't sleep. Yeah. Anxiety. Well, Tiger parenting anxiety uh, are fantastic um, motivational tools, right? You can motivate someone using shame, using guilt, all that stuff. However, Mm -hmm. none of that builds confidence. And no matter how, you know, how hardworking somebody is, no, how hardworking and, and how accomplished they are. I think without that baseline confidence, that the understanding of self-worth that no matter what they do, they would not feel proud of themselves. Um, mm. Yeah. And it and kind of extends to like this internalized, you know, you could kind of interject our parents into us as we grow up. And if we don't feel proud of ourselves, and a lot of times that's just, that's like a, a, a dynamic that we also share with parents that like they don't, they're not proud of me. So why should we be proud of myself? Uh, and, and that can lead to a lot of suffering. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary thought to look inside and go, well, which ones are my thoughts and which ones are those ones that I was conditioned while growing up? Those are really mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Are there any particular memories that you can recall that kind of for you solidify this, this, my worth is based on my productivity, any particular experience that can kind of highlight that and, and your mind kind of goes back to whenever this, something like this occurs in your life? Uh, you know, I remember it was like making that transition to high school and we're doing some sort of icebreaker and they're like, well, what are your hobbies? And I'm like, studying 
organizationally. Uh, you know, it's like a job interview. Gonna... <laughs> I didn't know what that word of like leisure meant. So that was oh, wow. uh, embarrassing, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, well, I ain't going to share this with anybody. I'm going to just keep studying and hoping that my degree is going to going to take me through. If you kind of go back to that stage of your life, what do you imagine your goals were? Like, why, why study so hard? Oh, come on. We all know this because we had to be doctors. We all have to be doctors. <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have your options of being a doctor, an accountant, an astronaut. <laughs> You can go into business or law school. That's like, that's it. That's that's all you got. <laughs> Your own boss, right? Bring in 400,000K a year. And it's just, those are tall orders to fill. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And why, right? I mean, it kind of, it goes back to the question of why, even if you were, say, become said independent top dog boss, making that 400K a year, you know, looking real pretty, why? Does that, does that really truly bring happiness? Does it bring contentment? Right? I would say likely, likely. That's a lot of money. But <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, though, uh, it's, it's, not everyone has those have those privilege and opportunities to you know really have like kind of a financial you know explosion if you will and start mm-hmm. making that much bank um and but it's you can still work hard and make a comfortable living um is can that be satisfactory you know can someone not be a doctor not be a lawyer and still have a fulfilling life um and i want to say tiger parenting at least expectation said no you can't do you have to be top dog in order to have this uh, successful like life having family etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, what are your thoughts i mean we're in november right holidays are coming up mm-hmm. i think if, if so for me i didn't pursue my doctorate you mm-hmm. you know the number one question i'm gonna get asked is so when do you go back to school come on you're not done yet right uh, it's, it's something I know is coming, but yet I never get tired of when are we going to stop that? <laughs> when can a little bit of happiness and leisure come into play and a little less sacrifice? And, and just hearing you talk about it, it's, it's very dreadful to kind of hear that comment. And I also assume that it kind of brings up a lot of feelings of pain for you. So when that does happen, right? What do you what do you do? Because I imagine a lot of our audience that are kind of dreading Thanksgiving because they're anticipating mm-hmm. similar questions. When are you done with school? When are you graduating? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, what, any thoughts on that? Any tips or thoughts? Absolutely, schedule time away from family. I mean, I think there's a, a combination of spending time with people that do love you, you know, your chosen family, your friends, but also making some quiet time, you know, whether that's meditating or maybe that's doing exercise, but something that's like good for you so that you can find some balance by the time you do get back home and into those dinners, you're a little bit more settled. So it's kind of like taking little breathers in these family Mm -hmm. gatherings, 
Yeah. Definitely. And I also want to kind of rewind a little bit about the whole doctor thing. I, I really don't think everyone needs to be a doctor. And even, you know, in the mental health field, I don't think everyone needs to be a doctor. Matter of fact, I, I hope that, you know, not everyone's a doctor. And the reason why is because um, there are a lot of things that uh, an MSW does that I don't, and I don't know how to do it. And I do, I'm not skilled in it, or I'm not trained for that, right? And there's a lot of work an MFT does that um, it's, it's not something that I do, right? Mm-hmm. I focus a lot more diagnosis, assessment, whereas a lot of MFTs that I work with f- can spend the time and energy really focused on supporting like their clients. And mm-hmm. they have a lot of different modality. They picked a lot of experience to support that client. Um, and, you know, they, they, we collaborate, but we do different work. So yeah, I can see there's a high, they, there's a hierarchy. Some people think, oh, this is one, one's better than the other. But in reality, in the field, um, not so much, right? We all have our, like a portion of the work um, to do. And I, I don't think that narrative is too popular with, um, Asian parents, where they think that you have to be a doctor and and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always, I think about status to some degree, you know, the bragging Mm -hmm. ability when they go home and they see family or friends, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's a little pat on their back, right? Like we did good. You know, as you're saying that, I, I feel a bit of frustration, anger, in coming up for me too, because I I do remember, and my parents are actually not that bad about this. They, I mean, they do lo- they do like you know hum- humble brag from time to time, you know. <laughs> but like, it's my aunties that that like crazy brag, and it's just it was just ugh. Um, and I just remember that I do have a lot of patients that I work with and they talk about how they go in Yamcha, you know, go, go to have like dim sum. And then the entire time their, their, their parents are almost trying to one up somebody else's parents about like their kid's accomplishment. And KBS minor is like, oh, my, my kid got honor roll in sixth grade. And it's, ugh. I mean, just imagine how much stress it must put on the child, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we have, we have kind of laid out the frustration, the resentment, the anger, and in a, this is a part of, you know, um, Asian American culture. And of course, it's not only Asian Americans do this, but a lot of Asian American families have this quality to it. Um, this idea of wanting face, this idea of you know pushing our children to uh, study hard and and kind of get that status, right? Get that money, get that bread. Now, as children of this kind of parenting, um, what are some things that we can do moving forward to not not value ourselves solely based on a parent's approval? Now, parent's approval can be important, right? And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's it's important to me, you know, it's okay. However, that cannot be the only thing, right? So what do you think, how can we expand our identities to encompass just parental approval? Mm. Well, I think it takes a little courage, right? To do some self-discovery, figure out what Mm -hmm. you want and great if it lines up, you know, with your families as well, but you're the one living in this body. So what kind of life are you trying to live? And I think secondary to that is you got to have some realistic expectations about if you're going to talk to your family about, your difference of opinions, especially related to achievement, you know, is your family really going to be open to that? 
no use setting yourself up for failure, knowing, you know, you can only make 10% progress at best this year. And then you come back the next year. I mean, it's a game of persistence and patience, but, you know, some willingness to look inside. And I think a lot of us are pretty scared to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a lot of us inside has a lot of very hurtful messages mm. that we gathered from our parents. Um, a lot of message of shame and, and, and guilt. And it's very painful just kind of even opening that wound again. So I think that's, that's what kind of keeps us motivated, I guess, or kind of keep mm-hmm. pushing forward. But at the same time, you know, it does come that there's a cost to it. There's a pretty significant cost to it. Um, so it, it, in the, you're mentioning about like your, your, um, family members will ask you something like, Hey, you know, you're not done yet. We go back to school, you know, in those moments, do you respond to that? Or is there a way for you to respond to that, that you feel like is, um, helpful for you? You know, nowadays, because I've really weathered my parents into my my real opinions, uh, I just simply say no. It, it's become a real easy thing, not too much stress, where I just say how I really feel, which is I'm happy with what I'm doing. And I'm also willing to have other things I'm pursuing that will also bring me money. You know, I am. <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> That's very important. Yes. <laughs> gotta have strategy, you know, have some, you gotta know what the, what keywords they're going to appeal to, catch on to it and eventually they'll mellow out. Hmm. I see. Yeah. And you know what? The keyword tends to be money, happiness, <laughs> money, maybe money, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe but, money. But what does money mean, right? To a lot of immigrant families, a lot of time, money means safety, right? Mm-hmm. It means like we belong. And I think there was an article about acculturation um, and a study done on what happens when there is a, a family that has been exposed to um, like systematic dis- discrimination. Uh, well, what ends up happening is that the family or the will will look at other means of uh, elevating their status, right? And mm-hmm. when we say other families, specifically you know Asian families, we look for other ways to elevate their status. And a lot of time is through materialistic means, right? Yes, uh, if I can buy a nice nicer car, I can get nicer clothes. Then I'm no longer an outsider; I'm an insider, right? And I think it really mm-hmm. comes down to this uh, immigration stress and like um, racism that is kind of fostering this obsession with money. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Have you ever experienced that? Mm. <laughs> My main concern right now is acquiring property, which, you know, the cost of living in Hawaii is un- unfairly high. But if I'm honest, I mean, my whole angle is so that my mom will kind of get up well, what are you doing to have these other forms of passive income? I mean, it's a crazy thing because truly I do want my own home. I don't want to rent anymore. But again, which thought is driving this idea that I need house after house after house to just have all these assets and to make mom proud? Mm -hmm. 
So you didn't mention this in the beginning of the podcast where growing up in this environment, you, you starting to, you, you are feeling this blur, the blur, this a uh, boundary disturbance between like, is this my value or is it my parents' mm-hmm. value? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's been a hard one to to break up. <laughs> All mm. my thoughts, you know, come from family of origin, and, and that's a lot to rebuild then, and a lot to learn. Oh, absolutely. Have you made any progress with that one? Definitely. You know, mm-hmm. helpful spirituality for me has been helpful. Um, spirituality. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, is your parents spiritual, or just is that, is that you thing? <laughs> I mean, they sent me to Christian school, but um, did anyone really practice? No. Mm, I see. I see. So it's almost like you kind of, t- t- kind of t- took this like as your own, right? You kind of claimed this person, this this spirituality practice, like this is mine, right? Situ- okay, I can see how that's very empowering. Yeah. Another thing I do want to kind of point out, and, and this might be helpful. Um, this, I, I learned I learned about this actually in undergrad. So mentally Klein and uh, Kleinian psychotherapy uh, talks about the de- uh, the depressive position and the schizoid position. Right? It sounds scary, but they're not. So the schizoid position is when we regard our parents as just our parents. Right? They're like, oh, this is mom. You know, this person's identity is mom, and they're only mom. And this person's dad and their Danny's dad and only dad. And when we kind of grow up and we shift into what she calls the depressive position, that's when we can start to see our parents as a whole human being with their strengths and their limitations. And I think you brought up the word limitations earlier. And Klein suggests that by only by observing our parents' limitations, that's when we can let go some of the resentment we held against them. Um, I found that very powerful. And I think for me, kind of growing up in a kind of similar high stress, you know, academia focused household, I, I really have to step outside of my family and just kind of view it as like, you know, a, an immigrant experience um, and, and how it impacts my parents' psychology and how it shapes their parenting style before I could let go of some of the the more painful experiences I had as a child. Mm, you know, the first word that came up when you were mentioning all of this was like empowered and it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It a very foreign role to be embodying. Um, but also I think another thing that's come up that's been helpful is sort of not taking it so personal that this is just them doing their damn best and that's all that they're really bringing. And we can't, I don't know, it's these like unfair expectations we place back parents we gotta we gotta bring those down pack those away they're not serving us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that is the key here is as we're growing up we have to like you said uh do a lot of introspection and look at what is serving us it's not serving us and even though it's painful we have to do it it's kind of like What's that lady that that goes around their house cleaning? It's like, oh, does this bring me joy? Does this spark joy? You know, like I forgot her name. Do you do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, uh, I can't. I can't. You're think blanking of- on it too, right? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's going to come to my head later, but it's just remember that. Like maybe therapy, that's what we do as therapists. We we kind of walk through people's in the mind house and go, oh, okay, I, I see that you have this here. Uh, why mm-hmm. do you why do you live like this? Why do you keep this here? And they're like, well, my parents gave me this. You know, <laughs> I just kept it around. And we're like, well, it's on fire and it kind of smells bad. But like, yeah, but you know, it's been here for like the past 15 years. So yeah. <laughs> we're like, do you want to get rid of it? And they're like, ah, we'll think about it. We'll think it's kind of like that. You know, I think that's what fundamentally a lot of what therapists does. Yeah. <laughs> We're so attached, you know, and these things aren't even tangible. They just exist in our mind because we keep thinking them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need a little cleanse, a little mind cleanse, you know, as we roll into this possibly challenging holiday time. You know, let's what can we get rid of because it's not sparking joy. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, Kirsten, uh, before I let you go, um, I, I also I know that you have some projects that you're working on. Is there anything you want to share with our audience? Yes. So um, in this journey to be courageous, I am trying to embody that and help other people um, through videos as well as just other content. And you can find me at Woman and Moon Studio on Instagram. That's an awesome name. Well, I'm going to go ahead and link that in the description for this podcast. Well, Kirsten, thank you so much for joining me in this in today's episode. And I'm, I'm very humble and happy to have you uh, be here with me today. Thank you.